Well, amen. Thank you, Gary and Marina, for that amazing um, sharing. Uh, you guys are, amen. You are, you guys are great examples of servants. And I'm going to continue the discussion, conversation about servant. If I can find the remote, there we go. Okay, so just to remind you that we um, we are starting off the year speaking about what God desires for His church. And God desires that His church is a house of prayer, that we as a community are a house of prayer. And then secondly, God desires that we live lives of worship, that worship is a lot more than just what we do on a Sunday service. And then today I'm going to speak about hearts to serve. God wants His people, God has created His people to serve and to have hearts to serve. Please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read from verse 43 to 45. The context is that James and John have asked Jesus to sit on His right and left hand in the age to come, in His glory, right? They, they pictured themselves sitting on thrones on either side of Jesus. And then Jesus obviously corrects them. He said, no, this isn't the way you should be thinking. And then he mentions to them that that's up to God to decide. And we read that the other ten disciples, in fact, started arguing because they also would have liked to be on those thrones. And so it carries on. Now, we get to the point where Jesus says to them that you shouldn't think like this because that's the way of the world. When he says the Gentiles lord it over, he's saying the culture of the world. Okay, so for us, man, we know that there are people in the world who want to get ahead, don't they? You know, that's the culture of the world. You know, it's all about me. Let me get ahead and try to figure out the most comfortable position for me with the most authority. And he said, no, you shouldn't be thinking like that because you are my disciples. And then in verse 43, uh, we read this. Jesus speaking, but it should not be so among you. But whoever will be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So when Jesus came to earth to live as um, a human being and to show us what God was like, he chose to be a servant. And I say that carefully because he chose to be a servant. And servanthood is something that we choose to do. You know, so, you know, Jesus might have been asked, you know, Jesus, why did you come to earth? He said, well, to serve. But didn't you come to die on a cross, you know, as a means to bring salvation? Jesus says, yes, but that was my ultimate act of service. Okay, that's what came across in the communion today. You know, Jesus served. He became the least of people on the cross. You know, just as Jesus came came to serve, he calls his disciples to do the same. So why should we serve? Well, the quick answer is that Jesus came to serve. He made the choice to serve. And followers of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus, who are becoming like him and want to do the kinds of things he did, as disciples of Jesus, we also choose to serve because Jesus came to serve. You know, Jesus called, also calls us to love one another. We read about that in uh, John 13, amongst other places. And service is love in action. If you want a definition of service, there it is. Service is love in action. If we really love a person, we will serve them. 
if we really love a community, we will serve that community. You know, if I stood before you and I said, you know, yeah, I'm a very, um, I'm a loving father, I'm a loving parent, and uh, yet you lived with me for a while and you saw that I did nothing for my wife. You know, I did nothing for my children. Now, would you conclude that I'm, that I love them? No, you know, the extent to which we serve people and serve things and communities is a reflection of our love for them. Okay, so love and service are, are very closely linked. Service is, is love in action. Um, Luke 22 from verse 24. Now this is Luke's account, of, part of Luke's account of the, the Passover meal that Jesus had with his disciples. You know, the evening before he was um, arrested. I'm going to start from verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Okay, it seems to be a bit of a pattern amongst his disciples. Okay, they're having the disputes about who's going to be the best, the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table, at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You know, when I read passages like this, it kind of, um, it, it's good to know that we take time to grow in servanthood. You know, these people have been with Jesus for three years. You know, they've seen the perfect service, servant in action, yet they still didn't get it. Okay, so, you know, take heart that if you don't feel like you're a great servant at the moment or you have a lot to learn, uh, you know, a lot to grow in, then, amen, you know, we are in, we are in good company. Uh, you know, even these guys who spent lots of time with Jesus didn't get it right away. What Jesus says is, stop focusing on the throne for now. Don't focus on the throne. Get on with serving one another. That is how to, to advance in the kingdom of God. And I say that not meaning, you know, the way the world says we advance, but that's the way to be blessed by God. You know, for God to say things like, you know, my good and faithful servant, what would cause God to say that? Service, my servant. All right. So Jesus says to them, stop thinking about the throne. Just get on with serving one another. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said this, everyone can be great. Because everyone can serve. He understood, certainly in the mind of Jesus and, and the worldview of God, that greatness is associated with service. Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. That kind of kicks against the worldview, doesn't it? But in God's economy, you know, in God's world, uh, greatness comes from being the greatest servant. You know, these disciples who were so possessed with position and authority prevented them from serving. As we have seen now in two passages, they were obsessed with the throne. 
And, you know, I wonder if, if any of us have thrones which prevent us from serving as Jesus served. And I would suggest that for most people, the throne in our lives is the throne of me. Um, my comfort, my convenience, my desires, my career, my recognition, my opinions, my freedom, my time, my money. Okay, all of those things are symptoms of us being our own God. Us sitting on the throne called me. Worshipping the God called me. You know, so are we perhaps so busy serving ourselves? Looking after number one, as they say, that we that it's stopping us, that it's getting us in the way of being a servant like Jesus. Now in the Gospel of John, the Apostle John adds some detail to this Passover meal that Luke didn't include. So let's keep turning towards the end of the Bible. Next book in the Bible is John. In John chapter 13, we read this. John 13 from verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that the hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Um, I, I just think it's significant that in this first verse, in setting up the story, Jesus stresses love. He's saying how much he had loved his disciples. Okay, Verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Um, This describes how Jesus took up the towel and washed his disciples' feet. And... This kind of service, this most humble expression of, of serving, is the expression of love, the ultimate expression of love. Now, you know, imagine the scene. The disciples are sitting around. Their feet are dirty, uh, probably smelly, right, from the sandals they, they wore. And they're waiting for a servant of the house, the slave to ar- uh, arrive with a, with a bowl of water and, and a towel. You know, to kneel down and to clean their feet. That's how it happened back then. You know, imagine how surprised they were when, when Jesus, you know, took the bowl and the towel and started washing their feet. You know, Jesus understood that he was God. Now, we heard that earlier on. He understood that he was God, yet he took on the role of the lowest servant in the house to serve his followers. You know, but what's missing here compared to you know, the, the other accounts that we've read, where the disciples were arguing about the throne. We don't see the disciples here arguing about the towel, right? They're not saying, please, Jesus, let me wash their feet. No, no, give them to me. Give me the bowl, Jesus. I'm ready. I want to wash their feet. You know, argue about the throne, but not about the towel. Hey, man, I don't want you to guilt you out and make you feel terrible, right? But I'm speaking to myself, too. I wonder how often we, we want to do the most basic menial thing. Please, Jesus, let me do that. Okay? 
Well, I wonder how often we might think of the other ways of serving that maybe are more visible. You know, and in our mind, we think that they are more esteemed and have more honor. Right? You know, the disciples quibbled and fought over the throne, but not about the towel. We do read further on that, Peter, in this chapter, Peter did not want Jesus to wash his feet. Now, there are different views on this, and certainly some, uh, I think, reputable scholars believe that Jesus was more concerned that, sorry, that Peter was more concerned that Jesus was upsetting the authority structure rather than him washing their feet. It's almost like, Jesus, don't do this. This doesn't work. How it works. It doesn't work like this. What are you doing? You know, call the servant rather. That's the way things work. It's not right that one of us, you know, wash feet. That's not the culture. It's something to think about, right? I believe, I believe that Peter was more concerned about Jesus not doing what someone else should do. It wasn't his job. Because we do not see Peter saying, you know, Jesus, let me do it. It's more right that, that I wash everybody's feet. You know, if, some, if one of us has to do it, let me do it. You don't, you don't see Peter saying that. Now, the point being here is that Jesus demonstrated servanthood to them by picking up the towel. And, you know, we faced with the same choice. What do we pick up? Do we seek the throne or are we willing to pick up the towel? Um, once again, when it comes to picking up the towel, we can, be, we can be busy, we can be tired, we can be distracted. We might be happy that someone else is using it. We might think because of something, our experience, or we've been disciples for a long time, that maybe we can serve in other ways that require a bit more experience, you know, a bit more maturity. We can be very, very selective what we pick up and used to serve uh, people and the church. You know, sometimes we can keep score then. We can think that, man, for three or four months, I've been the first guy at church, you know, I pack out the chairs every Sunday. Uh, I'm going to sit back. I think it's time someone else did this. Might be some truth in that, right? But it's not a reason to, to get an attitude and to stop serving. We should just be happy, have the heart of Jesus, just to, to serve in the most basic menial ways in the eyes of the world. Um, you know, for some Christians and many, many in this church, uh, serving has become part of their character and part of their life. You know, in the, in the prayer of deans, I do believe the Spirit leads like this because he used almost exactly the same words I wanted to. He thanked the song leaders. He thanked other people who come here early, who set things up before the time. He referred to service. And he thanked God that we have people like that. We do have people like that. You know, and I'm pleased, but you know, this, this lesson is to remind us that we are called to have hearts of service. That is different to I serve just because I'm on a list, right? And I serve just because I'm expected to. But in Matthew 25, verse 31, we're we covering all the Gospels today. This is where Jesus separates the sheep from the goats. Uh, he tells a story of what it's going to look like when he returns. Uh, let me read from verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. 
Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a, sh- as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Verse 40, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of me, these brothers, you did it for me. It's really important biblical principle here for us. How we treat one another is experienced by Jesus as how we treat him. Now, that's huge, isn't it? You know, I think that's something we might have heard or we skip over or we haven't been taught this. But how we treat one another is how we treat Jesus. It's a principle in the Bible. You can read First John 4, amongst others. What's true of the king is true of the people. What's true of the people is true of the king. Okay, so we cannot say that, you know, I, I love Jesus so much, I love God, um, but hey, I don't really want to plug into that church at the moment, you know, maybe not doing well, uh, I don't want to serve. I'm not sure Jesus would understand that thinking, right? You love God, you love Jesus and you want to serve Jesus then you love his church and you serve his church. Amen? Amen. Right? So there is, church, no reason for us to hold back and not serve. You know, I've been around a while, and I think, you know, Gary shared how he is refreshed and feels blessed when he serves. There are many of you here, I know. But one of the things that I learned very quickly as a Christian, I've been a Christian for 26 years now, I've been for longer is that early on as a Christian, I was asked, it wasn't something to debate, you know, with my church leader. He just asked me to head up, you know, the, the Hope Worldwide. And I thought, oh man, I don't, I don't think I, should, I can do this. I don't know if I've got the heart to do it. Um, never even been into a township. You know, and I suddenly I've got all these projects. But thank goodness, thank God, that I was asked to do that. It became, although it was initially uncomfortable, I learned so much about the heart of Jesus. And even when I was tired and maybe distracted and thought I could have been someone else when I made that decision, you know, to serve in that way and to serve in other ways, I felt blessed. And it wasn't like, I don't think it was like a self-righteous, oh, I'm an awesome, because a lot of it was quiet, on my own, no one saw me but there. There is a blessing and an assurance from Jesus when we serve. And especially when we serve when we don't feel like serving. When it's uncomfortable to serve. When our schedule's too busy to serve. But when we prioritize to be like Jesus and to serve like Jesus and to pray that we have our hearts in the right place, we are incredibly blessed. And the blessing is feeling close to God. And just knowing that you're in that, that special space in the presence of God. Okay? 
And the thrones will come apparently. I'm not sure how literally to take here. I don't mind if there's a throne or not in heaven. But it does seem like we're going to have authority in heaven, right? But while we're on this earth, while we're on this earth, let's grab for the towel. Don't worry about the authority that might or might not come. It certainly is not going to come in this age. Okay? Uh, but in the age to come, it does seem like we will, have, we will have authority over God's good new creation. His completely renewed creation. Okay, so I won't read this. You can read the, the rest of Mark, uh, sorry, Matthew 25. You know, he goes on to explain how those on the left, remember the left are the goats, you know, that they, they did not love and serve him because they did not take care and serve those in needs. And because of that, they faced the wrath of God on Judgment Day. It's one of those scriptures I don't particularly like to read, but it seems to me like, you know, even if you are a church-going person, you know, you can look like everybody else, but a time of separation will come. And those who have served themselves, self-interest, looking after themselves, have, have not taken note of and served the needs of the people around them, um, I think they're going to be judged harshly by God. Amen? Uh, you know, I always find it's good to, to know the blessings and also the warnings, right? They go together. Okay, and as a church, we can't just speak about one or the other. You know, to, to serve like Jesus is so important for his mission. It's such an important part of us being his image bearers. It's such an important part of being his ambassadors, you know, speaking as he spoke and being as he was to people, right? Jesus wants us, when the world interacts with us, they want the world to get a sense of what he is like. And it seems to me that serving is such an important quality and character of Jesus that he places a really big emphasis on it. Okay? To be his representatives and to be the image bearers of God. Showing the world what God is like. We need to have hearts to serve. And be willing to pick up the towel. In other words, to do the most menial acts of service for God's glory, that the world may know who he is and what he is like. Yeah, you know, I've, I've got a long list here. I don't think I should go through. But I, I just want to mention a few people. Um, you know, the, 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 the song leaders, definitely. Um, you guys are awesome. I know you love what you're doing, amen. You know, you've you got the gift and you express it and it's wonderful to, to hear you guys, your creativity and the, the new songs you learn. Uh, we can see that you love song leading, but it's such an important way of serving us. We appreciate it. The people who come up, you know, set up the, the communion and, and the hall as well. Um, Levuyu's not here, but Levuyu's a great servant. Okay, I, work, you know, I know him well. Levuyu never says no. And I know I can't take advantage of that, but if there's a need, hey, Levuyu, how about you helping or trying to find someone to do it? Sometimes there's a little pause because I know he's got so much on his mind he'll say, sure Neil, just give me a bit of time. Bruce is a great servant. Bruce is here. Okay, Bruce is a crazy busy guy. But Bruce is another guy if he's asked to do something for the church. Hey, amen. Don't quite know the details, let's figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, Zintle. Isn't Zintle an amazing servant? I mean, if you consider what's going on in her life and how she's always willing you know, just to, to serve. 
and I can call out all of you by name. That's what we need to be, church. You know, I should feel uncomfortable. I am because now I've mentioned a few people, and there's so many others. I'd, I'd be worried if there are only one or two people I can mention here. Okay, we need to be a people who serve because Jesus served. And we want to become like Jesus as his disciples. And we want to live the life that he lived. You might sit there and think, man, how do I become a better servant? I ask myself that often. How can I, how can I serve better? How can I serve with the heart that Jesus had? How can I become more like Jesus? And this is the mantra in our church. I don't know if that's the right word, whatever. Tagline, mantra. We as a church are about... Um, helping each other reorder our busy lives to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus would do if he were in your situation, to do what Jesus would do. Okay? And we cannot become like Jesus without being with Jesus. Okay? So if at the moment you feel that you don't have the heart to serve, you just see problems and challenges, and if you're guilted out, that doesn't come from God. Maybe you just got to be with Jesus more. Read the Bible. Pray. Uh, get somebody to help you. you know, someone who you can look up to. But be with Jesus, which does include in my mind being with the community of Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. But especially pray, read. Learn what Jesus was like. And as you do that, God's Spirit will encourage you. God's Spirit will give you the, the strength you need. God's Spirit will give you the courage you need to make changes in your, in your schedules. And as you step out in faith, because that's walking with the Spirit, as you step out in faith and choose to serve, the Spirit will encourage you in amazing ways. You'll feel God's presence and you will be blessed by doing even the most basic things for others, those in need. Amen. Yeah, let's go back to John 13, and I'll just about finish. John 13, this is the account of the Passover meal. Um, I only read the first five verses. I'm going, to, I'm going to skip down to verse 16. You know, the words of Jesus should encourage us to serve if we're not currently serving. And I think what he says is a, um, it's a message in hope, right, that we, that we can serve. Verse 16. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have just done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. You know, Jesus is saying that, yes, I am the master, but I chose to be a servant. I don't think it was easy for Jesus to... He chose these things, but he was close to the Father. He understood the will of the Father. He was in the Father's presence. And Jesus was able to make some choices that I think were not easier for him than they are for us. And Jesus felt the blessing himself, you know, the blessing of God's presence, the blessing of God's affirmation, and that's something that we can look forward to. Amen.
Serving is good for us. It helps us to grow. It pleases God. It benefits others. It helps us to be grateful. It gets us in step with God's spirit. And it brings joy and blessing. Um, I want to conclude with a slide that has seven points on it. I'm going to go through it very quickly. I'll share this. You can you know, study this out in your own time. But I think this is a really great summary of what true service looks like. This is from Richard Foster's book, The Dis- Celebration of Discipline. Those of you who are at all interested in spiritual formation, you would have read the book. And he, he lists seven signs of true service. By true service, he means serving as Jesus served. He's excluding here reluctant service. Okay, this is service from the heart of Jesus. So it's not kind of reluctant service, I must do it. And it's also not self-righteous service. That's where people serve to be noticed. Okay, that's what the Gentiles did. That's what even the religious leaders, sadly, the Jewish leaders ended up doing. They did things to be seen. Not that kind of service. Okay, this is genuine Jesus-style service. Seven signs. Firstly, True service doesn't distinguish between small and big acts. A warm hug for someone who's discouraged. Um, Words of encouragement to a grieving widow are as important to having the whole church around for a meal. Okay, it's not about the size of the service. Secondly, true service is not concerned with being noticed. Um, True service, as the author puts it, is is content in hiddenness. Okay, service doesn't have to be seen. And the danger about picking out people who serve, I know those are, that's what I see, but I do know that a lot of serving goes on that we don't notice. And I do want to say that I think some of the greatest servants in our church get on with serving behind the scenes, quietly organizing things, making that phone call, making that visit, making that meal to take to a, you know, someone who is sick, washing dishes, after everybody's left, right? And no one sees them, but there's the one person in the kitchen washing the dishes. Okay, all of those are really important and they are typically not noticed. Uh, true service doesn't expect the person that you have served to reciprocate, right? True servants do not expect a reward for serving. And then fourthly, true servant who doesn't, true service doesn't pick and choose who to serve. In Matthew 9, verse 35, Jesus taught his disciples to be first, they needed to be last. And then he said, and the servant of? They needed to be the servant of? All. All. That's the word. Okay, someone's awake. Jesus said, you need to be the servant of all. That's an important word. right? Not people who I want to serve or people who can give me something back. We don't pick and choose who to serve. Where the need is, that's where we we fit in and fill the gap and serve. A true service kicks in simply because there is a need. Um, True service doesn't wait for a feeling to be served. Uh, True service doesn't wait to be moved by the Spirit to serve. True service overcomes feelings and chooses to serve. Decides to serve when there is a need. Um, You know, an important role of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of the words of Jesus. We read that in John 14. And if we are being with Jesus and spending time with him, and you are wondering whether you should serve or not, the Spirit will remind you of the life of Jesus and the words of Jesus. 
That's how spirit works. Okay? So I'm just saying that let's not get stuck and waiting for a feeling before we serve. Uh, true service is a lifestyle. It, it comes from an ingrained habit. We, we recognize as true servants that this is what we do. This, no, sorry, this is what we are, not what we do. Yeah, the doing comes from the being, but we are, we are servants. And therefore the serving comes out of who we are. We have the heart to serve. And good servants don't even recognize themselves as servants. It's just, it's just in, their, in their nature. Okay. And then finally, true service builds community. One act of service at a time. This type of service is quiet and unpretentious. It just goes about caring for the needs of others. And even with a lot of that going on under the, the radar, this is healthy for the church. Right? God will bless this, and we will sense it. When needs are being met, we're not too sure often who's doing what, but this creates a healthy community, everybody involved in serving. Two quotes from people who we would recognize as leading good lives of service. Mahatma Gandhi he says, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Okay, a bit of philosophy there. Think about it. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And then Mother Teresa, she says, don't worry about numbers. Help one person at a time. Always start with the person nearest you. Mother Teresa served and helped thousands and thousands of people. She did it one person at a time. Amen. Let me finish there, church. Uh, thank you. All right.